0: Life groups, discipleship class, February eighteenth. We didn't have a we didn't have a start time posted on that. It'll be the eighteenth of February. All right, thank you for being here. Um, let's pray, Lord. We pray that you will be with us, uh, Holy Spirit. We invite you uh, to move in us, and uh, God, we we need you. We need your presence. Uh, we need you to move in our our lives. We need you to be supernatural in our lives, Father. We need to rescue. Uh, we, we need you to rescue us uh, from our enemy, from those who would enslave us, Lord. We need you to rescue us from the battle going on in our own minds. And uh, so give us a word today. Let us know that you are with us and speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, you know, uh, a month ago, can y'all believe Christmas was only like 20-something days ago? I just thought, I haven't done the math, I'm just thinking about this, but wow. That was, like, that was eight months ago. It's crazy. Uh, But during that time, we were talking about, uh, you know, the birth of Christ and and the things leading up to the birth of Christ. uh, And then in the Gospels... I'll explain what I mean when I say the Gospels in just a moment. In the Gospels, right after the story of the birth of Christ, uh, pretty well immediately, we skip forward. Now, one Gospel has a little segment about when Jesus is 12 years old, uh, but we pretty well skip forward into the place where Jesus is about 30 years old, where he starts his ministry. And the first thing that we do is see his baptism. And so we've talked for the last two weeks. John the Baptist was baptizing people, and we talked about what that meant. And then he says, but one comes after me that baptizes with fire and the Holy Spirit. And uh, Dusty talked about that last uh, last week, and and I got to listen to that online. And, man, just some really good points uh, that he made. But I need you to understand where he goes immediately after his baptism and i think it's very relatable it's going to make a lot of sense now when i say the gospels the bible is actually a small library of books there are 66 books in your bible in one binding and the first 39 are the old testament and they tell the story of god creating the world choosing people and promising that through this people a messiah a savior will come when he comes we go from the mosaic law to the law of grace we go from the old covenant to the new covenant uh, the Old Testament to the New Testament, okay, and so he fulfills the Old Testament with his presence and with his death on the cross. Now, the first four books of the New Testament—Matthew, Mark, Luke, John—are eyewitness accounts or firsthand surveys of the life of Jesus so we are in Matthew today Matthew actually walked with Jesus talked with Jesus was one of his 12 disciples that walked with him Matthew was a tax collector uh, so he was probably a very 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 hated man Uh, and I'm not talking about the way you hate the IRS tax collectors were literally traitors to their people uh, during this day and so, uh, man, just what he experienced going from being hated to get to, to, to bless people's life uh, makes his book so cool. But uh, I'm in Matthew chapter four. This is right after the baptism of Jesus. Matthew chapter four, verse one. All the scripture will be on the screen, okay? So if you didn't walk in here with the Bible, it's okay, we have them. We would love to give them to you. They're in the foyer. Uh, but hang with me, whether it be in your own or right here on the screen with me. Matthew chapter four, verse one. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I wanna stop right there for a moment. Then Jesus was led. Then, uh, right after his baptism, he's baptized and then he is led by the Spirit. Now think about that. Uh, as a Christian, a Christian doctrine is we believe that there is one God, but He manifests, He shows Himself in three different ways God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so it's an interesting question Did Jesus have the Holy Spirit? Here's your answer Jesus was led by the Spirit. Capitalized S. This is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness right after he has done this great act of obedience and positioned himself to follow God. Look at me. (laughs) Right after he does a huge act to follow God, God leads him into the wilderness to chat? No, To be tempted by the devil. When the Woodbridge Church started in Ranger, we have made it known from from the beginning, anyone is welcome to be here. Anyone is welcome to be here. We do not go out and ask people to come from other churches you are more than welcome but we are not recruiting from other churches we are going out looking for people who haven't been to church ever or in a long time and many have come many have answered that call and come and said I am following Jesus and trying to do things according to the Bible for the first time in my life So why is this all happening to me now? Well, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. You're not the only one, okay? It is common to Christians to face trial after you start trying to do things right. Can I get an amen out there? It is common for that to be when you really get pressed. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Jesus goes out, led by the Spirit, to do what? We don't know the full leading. We don't know what Jesus knows at this point. But he is led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and God has him there to do something. And what you will find is Jesus won't leave the wilderness and he won't abandon his fast until God does something. Not until he could come to terms with something, until God moves. That's important. Hang with me. First of all, that's a fairy tale. He fasted 40 days. Listen. I know a guy personally who did not eat a single thing for 67 days. Okay? It's very possible. Your body will transition from sugar to burning fat until you lose enough that it turns on your organs. Okay? I don't know exactly how all this works. But yes, it is definitely possible that he fasted for 40 days. And at 40 days, just assuming that he wasn't largely overweight and eating on uh, major fat deposits because people, have, people have, have fasted and not eaten a single thing for well over a year, but they had a lot of deposits to eat, okay? Uh, I'm not recommending that, by the way. We assume that at the end of 40 days, when his body is done eating anything that he would have deposited, that he would be under an atrocious hunger, Some some of you have experimented with this, and it's easier to not eat for three days than to eat four or 500 calories for three days. It's actually easier uh, when you're fasting as your body uh, transitions. I don't want to go too deep into that, and you may say, I disagree with that. I I don't care. I'm not basing anything on this. I'm just telling you, he literally fasted for 40 days. This is not metaphorical. He was led... To be tempted. Now, this is God, but God comes to earth as a man. He lives the full human experience so that he can be the perfect sacrifice, okay? And remember, from the time he is born, from the prophecies that we see all through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, from the prophecy from the beginning, he is born to die. We don't know when he knows that, but we're pretty sure by the age of 12, he well knows that. His mother prophesies this. His cousin, uh, well, I guess cousin's father will prophesy this. The people who are closest to him know why he was born. He knows that he is born to die, so it seems crazy to have to go through all of this in the wilderness. But understand that God knows that he needs to be tempted in the wilderness. It somehow is necessary for him to accomplish what he has to do. Do you understand that many of you are in the wilderness right now and you are asking God why and I am telling you, wait for God to move because whatever you are going through is necessary for what God has in store for you. Okay, that is not the news that you wanted to hear. Hey, you know why you're going through something bad? Because something worse is coming. I don't know that it's going to be something worse, but whatever you're going through is necessary. Maybe you're going through the worst storm you've ever been through. If you look, you've been through something else that prepared you for that. If you have ever read Corey Ten Boom's The Hiding Place, oh my gosh, listen, if you've never read that, Ho, ho, ho. Talk about challenge your faith. But she'd been through some hard times and it prepared her for something. I pray to God, no human ever has to go through again. But God prepared her. Now, I want to go to verse three. I'm skipping a lot in my notes. There's so much. Going to verse three. So after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, verse three. Then the temper, Then the tempter the tempter, this is the devil, this is Satan, approached him and said, are you ready? If you are the Son of God. Now I'm going to stop right there because there's more to it. But we say that this is the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. And if you're familiar with the story, and if not, that's okay. Nobody expected you to be a Bible scholar when you came in here. But this is the first temptation. If you are the son of God, and it's probably a temptation as well, because when you were baptized, when you began to follow Jesus, he started to say, if you're really a Christian, It's always something. Well, if you were really, well, beautiful women do this. Appealing women. Attractive women. And there's always that, well, if you're really, and it's, a, it's an appeal to your pride. Of course I'm a real man. So yeah, I'll throw hands, even if it's not a... Now, we get to defend, guys, we get to defend people, but you don't get to throw hands for your pride. It's not part of Jesus' teachings. But Satan will say, if you don't, you're not a real man. There's always a, if you really are. So verse three, then the tempter approached him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now on the surface, here is the appeal. Jesus is just flat hungry. And he says, if you're really the son of God, prove it. Prove yourself. If you're really a Christian, prove it. If you really hear from God, prove it. If you're really the Messiah, tell these stones to become bread. Now, bread is going to be very symbolic here. And I'm not going to go into the depths of that. But bread means something in the Bible. And so Satan is saying, oh, if you can really nourish everybody, prove it. Become bread now. Now, I don't want to project. Myself onto Jesus, but I can tell you what I would have done in this situation. I would have said, You know what? This is why God brought me to the wilderness, and I'm going to show Satan right now who I really am. That'll shut him up. This will be the end of my fast, and I'll munch on some bread. But secretly, what's the real reason I'm doing it? (laughs) Probably so I can have bread. (laughs) A famous theologian. Uh, we call Spurgeon once said that God is like a roaring lion. He doesn't need to be defended. He just needs to be let out of the cage. Jesus didn't need to defend God. He didn't need to prove himself. He just needed to be obedient. But see, I can tell you that I would have justified this. I would have said I can shut him up. This is who I'm here to fight. This is why I was led into the wilderness. This will be the end of my fast right here because I will, and as soon as I say I will, it's over. (laughs) Because Jesus was waiting till he did. He was waiting for the Father. See, at the end of this story, I'm going to go ahead and give you the end. At the end of this story, Jesus will hold out. He will not give in to temptation. And then the Father will send angels to minister to Jesus. And So he is not going to do his first miracle yet, which is turning water into wine. Because he is waiting on the strength of his Father instead of his own strength. But I wonder if sometimes the reason we stop waiting on God and go to our own strength is so that we can eat. I don't get it. Okay. I wonder if sometimes there's an appeal, I'm not going to tithe because I don't know if I'm going to make it this month. I'm not a rich man. So I don't think the, that God will actually come and provide. I have to do this for myself. I wonder if this is really the right relationship so I'm going to move in. I'm going to do this my way because I don't think that godly principles are actually going to carry this relationship through. Does this make sense? I wonder if God will actually come through and do these and so we begin to take matters into our own hands, because we're not really certain that God's going to provide what we need. And so I would have probably turned those stones into bread so that I could silence Satan, but the greater reason that I wouldn't admit to myself is because I'm not sure if God is ever going to come through, and if I'm going to get to eat, and I'm afraid I will die of hunger before God comes through. I'm not sure if he's going to provide my life, so I'm going to reject what God has for me and I'm going to do my own thing because I'm not sure if God is actually going to come through. I'm going to give in and begin to do what the world is doing so that I can be relatable to them. Otherwise, they won't accept me because I don't know that God is going to give me supernatural favor with people, so I better take matters into my own hands. Make sense? But how will Jesus defeat this? Matthew 4, verse 4. He answered, it is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Satan is saying, do you really have bread? Bread is the sustenance for the people of Israel. It is not only physically what they eat a majority of their time. It is not just their base meal. It is their symbolic base meal. And this comes from back when the children of Israel, Israel left Egypt and God would bring manna, some sort of bread, every day for the people to eat to sustain themselves. He's saying, Moses brought bread for the people. Can you actually do it? And Jesus is telling him, My people need more than physical bread. They need something else. And so not only is bread (laughs) bread, but the words of Christ are the bread. They are the nourishment. They will sustain. So I am going to follow him because my spirit is more important than my body. So, verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, see here it is again, man, he's laying it on thick. Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus told him, It is also written, Do not test the lord your god it's crazy you know every time uh, satan appeals to jesus tries to tempt him jesus is going to quote out of deuteronomy he's going to quote the word of god to him he's relying on the father he's relying on the scripture he is spirit led that's interesting isn't it he's spirit led yet he knows the scripture Being spirit-led doesn't mean you don't study. Okay? Being spirit-led. Spirit is wind, right? And so how do you sail a ship? You put the sails up. And then they catch the wind. The sails are your preparation. The Holy Spirit is the wind. So we prepare, okay? So even if you're Holy Spirit-led, you still prepare. But... Did you notice in this that Satan is quoting Scripture? Quoting Scripture. Not even getting it wrong. <laughs> Just taking it out of context. Understand that when Satan comes to you and appeals to you, he is lying to you, although he lies in sort of an 80 20 He will take something real, but he will just use it out of context. He will manipulate it. He will only get part of it wrong so that he can mislead you. Because his people were really not that dumb. So he's got to throw some real truth into that. Satan will use 80% of the truth and just lie on about 20% of it to turn you. Because in this instant, all he had to do was get Christ to sin one little sin, one little oops, one little mistake. Didn't even have to be a big deal, because any mistake would void him from being a perfect sacrifice to pay for your sins. Any stake on any mistake on any level. So this is interesting, where he says, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written and then he begins to quote god this takes you if you know if you know the scripture this takes you back to the introduction of the bible where adam and eve have a thousand ways to do the right thing and only one way to do the wrong thing you ever think about that there's an infinite possibility of things that you can do and only one way to sin for adam and eve And so how will he tempt them? He says, did God really say? And he begins to manipulate the word of God. And he does the same thing today. Did God really tell you? Does God really command you to? Wouldn't it make more sense if you... Isn't God just trying to control you, to oppress you? Why do you put so much stock into one book? Why do you, is that, is that really what he says? Out of 100 things you're doing, 99, is this really going to be that bad? And he begins to come in, and this is the exact same thing that he used in the garden. Satan doesn't have any new tricks. I'm going to prove that uh, in the end. But Satan knows Scripture, and he manipulates it, which also shows you that not everyone in your life who knows Scripture is telling you something good. Okay? A lot of people who know scripture really well and quite frankly are making a whole lot of money off of it this morning. I'm not the judge. I don't know if they'll be in heaven or not, but I'd be surprised. I'm glad that's above my pay grade, but I don't want to fool with what they're doing. Looks just like the conversation in the garden, except for Adam and Eve fell, but Jesus wins why the Bible says that he is the better Adam. Because he will not fail. Where the first Adam brings death and sin, the better Adam brings eternal life and righteousness. Adam had an infinite ways to do what is right and only one way to do what was wrong and he blew it. Christ had an infinite number of ways to do what was wrong and only one way to do what was right and he nailed it. And this is interesting, isn't it? Satan comes to Jesus looking for a sign. If you're really the son of God, do this. Now, I don't want to go too far into this, but uh, Satan is, is, is not, um, so like devil is not a name, it's a word. Satan is not a name, it's a word. Uh, it, it, it's, it's sort of interesting, but uh, in, in Hebrew, like a Hebrew speaker will actually call Satan hasatan. You notice the word satan in there, right? So it is satan but it's hasatan. He is not Satan. He is the Satan. Because Satan is merely a word that means adversary. He's not just an adversary. He is the adversary. Okay? And he comes asking for another sign, as if being born of a virgin wasn't enough. As if being born from Bethlehem and then going to Nazareth and then coming up out of Egypt wasn't enough. As if all the prophecy over his life wasn't enough. As if the eclipse in the end is not going to be enough. As if the star that led the wise men is not going to be enough. As if Daniel prophesying the exact day that he would be born is not enough. Satan asked for one more sign. Did you know the word Satan is not only used in the Bible for Satan? See, he is Hasatan. He is the Satan. Satan. But there are many other opposers, adversaries. And we can be a Satan, lowercase s, when we do the exact same thing. I need one more thing. I need one more thing. Do you know the world can be your Satan or a Satan to you? oppose you, be your adversary when they need one more sign out of you, one more thing to prove yourself. Do you know how much? We love Ranger and we will give to Ranger, but you know how much you will give to Ranger? You can give everything you have to Ranger. You know how much you'll end up giving? Not quite enough. You can give everything you have to the world and you know how much you'll give Not quite enough. You can pour all that you are into someone. You know how much you'll pour out? (laughs) Not quite enough. God can come to the world, become a man, go through the entire human process, do it perfectly, absolutely nail it, be crucified for doing it on his crucifixion cross, forgive the ones who do it, and we'll need one more son. We'll need we'll need just one more, and he tells us this. Did I did I did I put the scripture in here? Yes, Matthew sixteen four. An evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, but no sign will be given it, given to it except the sign of Jonah. Then he left them and went away. They kept asking for one more sign, one more sign, one more sign, I mean he's turned water into wine, people are raising from the dead, blind people see, some lady who had some kind of disease they have healed, and people are turning their lives around, they're doing all these things, but they're like, give us a sign. I'll give you a sign, the sign of Jonah. I will be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights, just like Jonah was in the belly of a well for three days and three nights. And then I'll come back to the surface just like Jonah did. I'll give you the sign of Jonah. How about that? It's the last one you're going to get. Now, we know that there are still signs and wonders. Yes, but not as a proposition to God. God, I'll follow if if you'll do this. No, he demands faith and then he provides for us. And we've seen signs and wonders, but not because we're like, God, I'll tell you what, if you'll prove yourself, (laughs) creator, if you'll do something cool, me, your creation, will begin to honor the one who created them. It doesn't work that way. It will always be one more. Hey, listen to me. If you're single, and this is on my notes, I promise. I I wrote this earlier in this week. If you're single in here today, uh, and you're in that infinity loop of proving yourself to someone, dude, get out. Marriage is hard enough with someone who doesn't make you prove yourself all the time. Bro, don't sign up for that. Phew. Get off the slide. Now, verse eight. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus told him, go away, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and angels came and began to serve him. That's odd, isn't it? That Satan would offer what is already God's? Or, Or... or is it? That's weird, isn't it? Because it kind of looks like Satan's in control. Have you not watched the news? Do you understand that we have a, a, probably the largest industry in the world is buying and selling and exploiting and literally murdering through torture women? It's probably the largest industry in the world. Did you know that? kind of looks like Satan's large and in charge in a way, doesn't it? In a way, he is because of the hearts of the people that he has. And he says, I will give you all of this if you will worship. It's interesting. Boy, I could rationalize making a deal on that. Man, if Satan would really (laughs) leave all these people alone, and allow me to lead them into peace? Talk about world peace, we could do that right here. Boy, if Satan would just stop, or at least help me, you know, command them to follow me, we could really lead some people into peace. We could save some people, we could solve some problems here. I could rationalize doing this one. All I gotta do is is hit a knee for you? Mm, For the greater good? See, Satan lies to you about what is the greater good. See, this is only a temporary fix. His ultimate goal was to stop the people from having Messiah that would save them from their sins. And those are eternal. See, 80-20. He did have some things that he could hand over and say, I won't mess with this anymore. But it would have been an eternal damnation for people. Looked good at the time. But Christ found nothing more important than his father. Would you have told yourself that if you could be in charge, you could bring peace? Peace. Are we telling ourselves that? I see a better way, God, than what you're doing. Verse 11, then the devil left him and the angels came and began to serve him. This is interesting, isn't it? Why would Satan leave after three temptations? There's a very good explanation for this. I told you when we started that I would prove this to you later through the scripture Satan has no new tricks. First John chapter 2, verse 16. For everything in the world, let's count them, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions, is not from the Father, but is from the world. Turn a stone to bread, lust of the flesh. Viewing every kingdom to have, Lust of the eyes. Jump down and live over it, and that'll prove you are who you are. Pride of life. Pride of one's possessions. Pride of what you have. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of one's possessions. He has no other tricks other than those, and he will appeal to you on one of those three levels in some way. I want the worship team to go ahead and come up. Satan is going to try. Now, You say, I'm a believer. Satan can't come to me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Satan is not going to possess you. You're not going to walk in here foaming at the mouth with your eyes rolled back in your head because you have Christ. And I'm with you on that. Yes. But distract you? Hold you back? Ruin your testimony? Ruin your witness in front of people? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And here's the interesting part. Do you realize that Satan stopped at three because he had nothing else to use? He'd already appealed to all the things he has to appeal to, and Jesus defeated them. And you're like, I don't know if I could do that. Do you understand that I know you can't do that? Which is why he did it. He did it because you can't do it. So if you've been distracted, you don't have to stay distracted if you've been defeated, if your testimony has been shattered, he can restore it. But you know what you gotta do? You gotta go into the wilderness and wait for the Father. Jesus could have rationalized to end his fast, to tell off Satan in a hundred different ways. He had an infinite possibility of ways to fail and only one way to do it right, and he waited on the Father church we have to commit ourselves to God because every day every day the world will appeal to the lust of the eyes the lust of the flesh and the pride of life and unless you are 12 actually you should know this by the time you're 12 unless you're like 7 you should know by now that you are not strong enough to overcome these temptations which is why we walk in the spirit Jesus himself to defeat the temptations of Satan quoted scripture so good news right now you're already killing it you're in church this morning you're already receiving scripture you're already receiving instruction word of the Lord so that when you go out you can call it what it is Satan is here for three things to kill steal, and destroy if he can't do all three he'll do two if he can't do two he'll do one all he cares about is that you don't lead anybody else to the father Satan rebels against God comes to the earth and starts a mutiny with Adam and Eve has Cain Kill Abel fires up Babylon so that they be, try to come gods themselves with the Tower of Babylon. God confuses the language and so they move from there until the world becomes so corrupt that Satan is trying to breed out the people of God and God brings a great flood and over and over Satan devises a plan and God wipes it away and Satan devises a plan and God wipes it away until God becomes a man comes to the earth and literally Makes the sacrifice to pay for every sin once for all all you have to do is accept it and then spoiled us we get to walk in righteousness regard look at me look at me when I say this regardless of what you have done pastor you don't know what I have done you don't know how important that blood was that he spilled every temptation that we would have fallen to that we have fallen to he never did so that his perfection was greater than all the sin, so that the Adam who brought death and destruction in could be undone and life and righteousness be brought in. I know you sinned, I know you screwed up. I know that was this week. He's covered it. Walk in the spirit. we will be able to extinguish the arrows of our enemy i want to pray over you father i pray for your people god i I know that satan is tempting people lord and i'm not talking about whoops i messed up i'm talking about long term this is something that i'm living in god we're in the wilderness and satan has come and we made we made a deal with the devil but thank you that you burn those contracts god thank you that you came and you have undone all of those things father i pray that we will see where we have fallen to the lust of the flesh lust of the eyes and the pride of life and we will hand it over to you god we need you you have great things to do through your people and it's all you god it's not us but i pray that you will deliver us from these things that we have done that you will clean us lord i pray for your people that they confess their sins so that you will heal them and and, and bring us into all righteousness father we are so grateful for your gift and father my prayer for your people is that they would take it so we're just going to stay in a spirit of prayer the worship team's going to worship team's going to lead us in a, a last song and uh baskets are going to come forward as it's appropriate time to uh to do our tithe and offering also put in a connection card let us know what you're walking through so we can walk with you prayer team uh better yet prayer team if you'll go ahead and come to the front uh hey we'll take those connection cards but these people would love to pray for you they'll be here in the front they have a button literally on their shirt or whatever so that you know who they are and they would love to pray with you while they're up here but let's stay in a spirit of prayer and listen I don't want you to walk into a visitation with Jesus in a spirit of shame I want you to walk into a spirit of forgive me I see now what I've done and as you're sitting there, as you're worshiping, I just want you literally to take and turn your hands like you're receiving a present because some of you need to receive the forgiveness for that. I don't do it if you plan on going home and staying in what you're in. But if you can literally say, God, yes, I receive it. Help me out of this. Turn your hands, pray to God, tell Him you receive it, and come pray with somebody to receive it. Christ has so much For you. And Satan just has been killing it, stealing it, and destroying it. Jesus redeems it. Please stand and worship with us.